to A Wee Blether About, a podcast from the Academic Skills Team at UWS. I'm Linda Riches and I'm one of the Academic Skills Advisors at the University. Today we're going to have another blether about being critical. So last time we had a look at critical thinking and reading and this episode we're going to take that a bit further and look at how you show that critical thinking when you actually um, start doing your writing. This is very much an introduction. It's probably a topic that we'll come back to in future podcasts, but just to really give you an idea about critical writing at this stage. So I'm joined today by Dr. Kevin Wilson. Hi, Kevin. Hi. Uh. And Ben Farrer. Hi, Ben. Hi. Um, both my fellow academic skills advisors and we're all here to sort of offer our thoughts and advice. If you've not listened to our podcast on critical thinking and reading, I'd recommend having a listen to that um, before this because we might mention some things that we discussed earlier. So we'll start off thinking about critical writing um, and maybe what makes that different for students. So if I come to you, Kevin, first, um, because I know you've done a lot of critical writing in, in your time. Um, what's the difference with critical writing for students? How, how is that a different way of writing to something that they might have um, done before? Um, so I think the, the best way, usually the, the clearest distinction when, when you're thinking about writing critically is it always comes in this kind of um, opposition to descriptive writing. So mm. if we think about what it means to be descriptive, it's this is usually what helps us to move into the more kind of complex mode of, of writing, which is, is critical writing. And, you know, as we said, we're going to refer back to the other... Um, uh, the other podcast, you know, we were talking about what it means to think critically and, and how, you know, we connect different sources and how they compare and contrast and how we, this is something we do in everyday life. You know, critical writing is difficult because we're, we're effectively trying to reflect those thought processes on the page, which is sometimes where the where the difficulty comes in. But what, you know, what, what we need to first understand is, is what, what descriptive writing will look like and what they'll aim to do. Descriptive writing, you know, as much much easier and that's one of the things that sometimes if, if you're writing at high speeds and you're producing you know two three hundred words an hour then there's a good chance that you're just writing descriptively because you can usually you know batter that stuff out really quickly because if you're writing descriptively you, you're really just reporting things back to the reader and in that sense you don't have any position within the argument or, or, or debate you're not you know talking you know you're not showing any real insight or evaluation of the topic you're that you're um, that you're discussing you're simply reporting things back so you might be talking about a sequence of events or describing the steps of a, an experiment um, giving an overview of a, a piece of literature um, background historical information is, is, is kind of by definition nearly always um, descriptive um, or biographical details and facts and figures. It's always this kind of writing whereby, you know, it's much easier because we're usually just repeating what one person says. Um, and, and one of the kind of, one of the main examples, I would say, the best way to think about it um, is if you've got, say, like a government report or something like that, if, if you simply repeat back what the government says, so let's say the Scottish government's aiming to do some high-minded thing, and you tell your reader about all the great things they're going to do, it's almost like you're a, a spokesperson for the government. You're just describing their ideas, whereas if we start to bring other evidence in to think about the strengths and the weaknesses of their ideas, now we're starting to move more into this kind of critical writing side of things. So almost, you know, if you're limited to one or two sources or, you know, you're almost inevitably just going to be describing them. Certainly if you've got one source, you know, that's, that's nearly always what's going to be happening. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so it's really understanding at the start that the difference between that descriptive writing and then thinking more critically. So, Ben, is it fair to say critical writing is more complex then and that's why it's more difficult? Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, critical writing is sort of where you end up doing a lot of the, you know, the the hard work and the nitty gritty mm. and that kind of thing. Um, you know, it, like Kevin's saying, it's sort of the difference between um, you know, if you're, if you're talking to someone about, you know, a film you saw last night and, and, you know, if you describe the film and say, you know, oh, well, you know, the character did such and such, that's simple. But if you go, well, the character did such and such, I wonder why they did such and such. Maybe it was this, maybe it was that, maybe it was the other. That's more difficult because that's more speculative and you have to sort of put a bit more, a bit more work into that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, like Kevin said, it, it's, it's a more difficult process. It's a more involved process. It's a more personal process as well mm. um, because, you know, it's not based of, on the kind of objective experience of, you know, well, I read this and what it, here's what it said. It's a case of it's more subjective in the sense of, you know, I read it and, um, you know, as we were talking about in the last podcast episode, trying to frame it in your own personal web of knowledge based on what you've read and what you know, which will be different to everybody else's web of knowledge because you've read different things, you've interpreted them differently, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it, is, it is a more difficult skill. It is a more um, sort of complex challenge um, in terms of how to approach it. And, and as you know, you're saying at the end of the last podcast as well, it's not something that comes overnight. It's something that, mm. that does develop slowly and through constantly applying it and, and thinking about it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. But once you get the hang of it, um, I think students usually find once they really get the hang of critical writing that the quality of their work goes up significantly. Um, and not just in terms of the grades, but in terms of they, they really start sort of looking at their work and, and realizing that it's doing a lot more and it's being a lot more successful in terms of what they're, they're setting out to do um, because they're more confident in sort of engaging with, um, with the literature and with the evidence and that kind of thing, rather than just, you know, like Kevin was saying, regurgitating it. Yeah, and there's a bit of confidence, I think that's a quite a good word, is that the confidence that comes with um, critical writing, that you're a bit more confident about what you've read and how you've interpreted it. I often do say to students, be a little bit careful, though, about how you establish positions. So I'll, I will see assignments where they'll say, well, this definitely means this and this definitely means something else. And I always sort of say to hedge your bets a bit. It could mm, be this. It yeah. might be this because you don't know if there's other reading that, that might dispute that because you can't possibly read every single thing that there is on that on that topic. Um, Scientists like using that phrase, the truth for now. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I like that. The truth for yeah. now, yes. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, just being a bit careful about how you present those ideas. Um, Kevin, is any other sort of tips for um, students in terms of how you should present that critical writing? Well, I mean, this is where probably if you're if you've ever listened to me talk to all about writing, you could get your um, bingo, your academic skills bingo card out, and <laughs> wait. If you've got paragraphs on it, then you're going to get one ticked off straight away. So, I mean, it's where it's where structure comes in. You know, and structure is fundamental to it because you know breaking your essay up into clear points of discussion is what allows you to really develop this clear, you know, and, and focused. Um, 
critical argument because what you're doing is in each stage of your essay, you're taking a distinct point and really going to town on it when, by showing how all the different pieces of evidence relate around it and potentially kind of drawing your own insights out of this. So, you know, if we don't have a structure to our essay, it's much harder to establish, you know, how the literature compares and contrasts and, and kind of what conclusions we're, we're, we're drawing out of this. So really, you know, uh, this is, you know, structure is key, right? And, and, and having known what your paragraphs are about before you start writing them or knowing what point it is you want to discuss is, is, is what gives you the, the space on the page to really, um, you, you know, um, shine in your, in, in your critical writing. If you don't have this, you know, and if you just try and get into the writing without a clear sense of what point you're discussing at each stage, it's so hard to really, it's so hard to say anything conclusive and anything insightful. Um, it, it's certainly really hard to display the, the levels of critical writing that will be expected of you like as you go on kind of to, to later stages in uni. Yeah. And I, I guess you can use um, having that structure to then go through and check how you've put that writing together. So you can go through and maybe highlight parts where you've tried to make an argument and then sort of ask yourself, you know, have I supported that argument? You know, does it yeah. does it make sense? Have I put in anything there that's not supported that actually, yeah. you know, and needs to have a reference? Totally. And and I mean, I think that, this, you know, students, and, and I would suspect you've probably asked it, um, even though you guys have you know, you know, been here for a year, which is the question is, how many sources do I need for an essay? Right? Which is quite, you know, but how many, how many sources, you know, so, and it's a natural thing to ask, but I think that I would always say to students, well, you know, let's not think about the essay, let's think about, you know, I was just saying, well, how many paragraphs have you got? Because like you're saying, Linda, if you've got it broken up into nice, clear discussion points, you can look at the, the kind of, the, the, the kind of balance of evidence for each point that you've got, which is a much better way of developing effective and convincing you know, points of critical discussion. Whereas if you're just counting up the, the, the references at the end, you might have a really well evidence point somewhere in your essay and then have another paragraph or, or part of it where, where we don't have any evidence to support what's being said. And therefore that kind of notion of, of being critical of that objective kind of, you know, researching into a topic and establishing a point on it is, is, is going to be lost or, or, or very, very difficult. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I was kind of follow up with that. Yeah, and, and quality, not quantity, really is is the key thing with those references, isn't it? Yeah, you know? or quality and quantity. Quality <laughs> I mean, and quantity, yeah. true, true. Yeah, no, no, I think you're right, though. Good, you know, you want, you know, it's, you know, a lot of kind of rubbish sources is is, is not um, is not going to do as well as, as, as a few really good ones, although we still need, you know, as many good ones as we can get. So we'll push you in every direction that we can. That's yeah. true. And is it the case, Ben, I I see a lot of assignments where it does it actually doesn't matter how well the assignment's been written, a lecturer will put could have been more critical. And mm -hmm. I know certainly for me, I think I always got that feedback where I felt I'd been quite critical. And then I always got, well, you could have put this in. And I'm thinking, well, I didn't have the word count to add that extra point. Yeah. But is that just about lecturers trying to push um students to sort of really interrogate their work? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the thing you have to remember is, you know, when I was back in my teaching days, I remember they, they sort of taught us that, uh, you know, positive feedback is, if, if it's just universally positive feedback, it's unhelpful feedback. True. Um, because everything can always, you know, be improved in some way. So, you know, don't take it too 
badly if if you know there are those points where it's like oh well, you could have done this here you could have expanded or you could have been more critical or that kind of thing um there's always room for improvement and the lecturers ultimately their their job in terms of their relationship with you is to try and get the best out of your you and your work and to help you develop so a lot of the time and i mean particularly in early years work where your um your word count is very slight and you do have to work very closely um you know, with the word count that you've got, hearing things like, oh, you could have expanded more, or you could have been more critical here, or that kind of thing, um, is often sort of feedback for later when you've got a bit more room, and they're sort of pointing mm. you in the direction of, of where you can go next. So certainly don't take it too personally if it's, uh, you know, if that's the feedback. It's incredibly common feedback. I, I would struggle to find anyone who at some point in, in their academic career hasn't had the feedback, you could have done this, or you could have been more critical, or that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And I think in terms of, you know, we were just talking about, you know, how many sources do you use? The way I, I would suggest to think about it is it's not so much about the amount of sources, it's how well you use those sources. So if you've got six sources that are all saying the same thing and then you're not analyzing them, you're not using them to support your point, you're just kind of putting them there, that's dead weight. And as we were talking about with, with you know, a limited word count, you don't have space for that. If, on the other hand, you turn that down to, say, three references, but they're really good references and they're really well verified and you're able to kind of move forward and into the analysis. I mean, we, we talked about this in the academic writing one, you know, using that paragraph structure of point evidence analysis and then linking it back to your question. Um, if you're finding that you, you're using a few fewer sources, but you're analyzing it more and you're pulling more out of those sources, that tends to work better than just sort of piling them in so um yeah you know it, it it is sometimes frustrating when you get that feedback of not critical enough when you've got loads and loads of sources and that kind of thing but think about how you're using them and think about the feedback in the context of future assignments yeah, yeah. I, I think i'll just add to that that you know uh, critical writing and as as you know, just exactly what Ben's saying, you know, you need to, you, your insight to the marker is going to come from how you've shown, how you understand all the sources, how the relations to one another, you know. So, as Ben said, if you've got six sources and you just list, you know, in terms of what they say, you're not really linking them together or, or demonstrating any connections. Sometimes what, you know, in critical writing, often the in, your insight comes out and in often a little kind of joining and linking phrases that come between the sources. Those are the moments where you tell the reader how one person agrees to some extent with somebody else. And not just that they agree, but sometimes how they agree and how they differ. So sometimes, you know, we, we talked in the academic writing podcast about how it's, you know, there's a kind of requirement to be succinct and direct in, in academic writing. but there are moments, especially when we need to be critical, where we need to expand out a wee bit. You know, just having one connecting word between two different sources, like therefore or however, mm. doesn't necessarily tell the reader what you've understood. Sometimes we need to go into a bit more detail and expand out. You know, so for instance, if you've got two sources which agree, but perhaps the second source you know, add something else to the debate, then you want to highlight that in your sentence. And that's where, the, you know, these two sources exist somewhat independently of each other. It's you that's brought them together on in a space in the page and, and through that sentence demonstrated your critical insight as to as to how they've related. And that kind of, that's where, that's this idea of critical analysis is bringing the sources together and, and telling the reader about how they relate. So there's a real kind of importance about it, your phraseology, right? Mm. It's just your, your sentences can have a huge bearing on, on what the reader knows because just listing sources or what they say with no kind of connections between them, you're effectively asking the reader to do the hard work in terms of working out you know, what the significance of them is in, in terms of, 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 of how they compare and contrast with one another. So, you know, it's, it's really important, again, to 
to think about the clarity of your writing and and where you really need to expand out to, to show the reader what you've understood. Yeah, and I think I would also make a little mention, which I think I did previously in, in another podcast, about Manchester Phrase Bank, because that yeah. helps you with some of the language that you were talking about, the phrasing that you should use. So if you go on to, if you Google Manchester Phrase Bank, um, it's a great source of different ways of presenting arguments. And if you go, there's a whole section about being critical or about comparing and contrasting ideas, even introductions and conclusions, just different ways of how you introduce or different ways of how you conclude and how you link ideas together. Um, so that, you know, if, if students are struggling to actually find the, the words, then that's quite a good place to start because it just gives you some different ideas. Um, I think also on the careers and skills um, page, our own careers and skills page, under the section critical writing, there's some, some quite good summaries um, about situations in which descriptive writing is appropriate and then when you need to be critical and sometimes yeah. that's that's quite helpful for students as well. Sure and I mean I, I just to add to that Linda I think it's you know you know we need to stress that sometimes you do need to describe things in order so mm. if you need to you might need to offer a wee bit of description before you can then start to weigh up the strengths and weaknesses of something or sure. to talk about you know why something is good or to evaluate something with further evidence so it's important that we know that you know descriptive writing is still a part of writing. It's just that we need to be aware when we're doing it, so that you know if we're being asked by our learning outcomes to be critical or to display, display critical analysis, we need to know you know what parts you know to keep the, the descriptive stuff to a minimum to the essential detail, so that we can get into that more valuable kind of evidence-based uh, critical discussion. So it's not that descriptive, and I, I suppose I always forget to say that at the start. It's not that descriptive writing doesn't have a place. It's just that you know that we need to know when we're doing it and, and keep it. To, to a kind of essential minimum, I suppose. Yeah, and, and key to go back to your actual question, because sometimes the question will say, will sure. ask you to be descriptive, but other times it will ask you to be critical. So mm -hmm. being clear about what they're actually asking you to do as well is quite important. Mm -hmm. Any final thoughts, Ben, on critical um, writing? Um, I think my final thing, and I know this is a really tortured metaphor, but um, it's something that I've told students before. When you are sort of doing your, your critical writing, and particularly I think when you get to the end of a piece of writing and you're sort of sat there, you know, not so much proofreading, but just sort of reading it through, think of yourself like Columbo. And if you haven't seen Columbo, you should go and watch Columbo. It's very important for your academic development. Um, but you're kind of like, you're the detective and you're looking at, okay, this essay is trying to make this argument are there any holes in the argument? Are there any problems? Are there any anomalies? Are there things where, you know, the evidence doesn't stack up? Um, are there points where you kind of want to investigate a little bit more and learn a bit more about something and, and you think that'll improve a point? And ultimately, does the evidence that you've presented lead to the conclusion that you've that you've kind of come to at the end of it? Or do you have to turn around and say, well, one more thing and, you know, add a bit more and, and that kind of thing. So it's almost, it's, you know, we talk about critical writing as being sort of investigative in some ways. You know, you're, you're investigating a, an issue or a question and then you're sort of coming up with evidence and, and trying to propose, you know, that your conclusion that you've drawn on that is the correct one. So, you know, think of yourself as, you know, doing that kind of work of looking through your argument and, and as you're reading other people's arguments as well, but specifically your essay and think about, you know, has the conclusion that I've, I've come to actually been earned and evidenced or do I need to add a little bit more to sort of prove my point? Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to just call you Columbo now, Ben. 
I'm just sort of imagining, you know, with a magnifying glass, just, you know. Well, the listeners can't see, but you will both verify I am sat here in a trench coat. Yes, that's true. That's true. (laughs) Yes, yes. So there you go. I think um, that's maybe a good point to stop on. Um, That's our thoughts on critical writing, just to get you having a think about that. Um, And we hope that's maybe helped untangle the differences between being descriptive and being critical. Um, Remember, you can always book a one-to-one appointment with any one of us to discuss academic skills and you can um, talk to us at any time if if it's in a small group or just one-to-one that's absolutely fine and as always we'd love your comments feedback on the podcast if there's a topic you want us to have a blether about then drop us a line to skills at uws.ac.uk thanks for listening